Back to Happy, A Journey of Hope, Healing, and Waking Up is a small but powerful book about healing from one of life's greatest tragedies, the loss of a child. It's about love and sadness and being human. The nine lessons in Back to Happy are intended to be food for a broken but awakening soul. Healing from grief and loss is possible. Finding joy again is possible. Back to Happy, in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook at Amazon.com. For more information, visit backtohappybook.com. Everybody, welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. And I really mean that. Welcome. Well, welcome. 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 I'm Connie Bowman. And if you're new to the Happy Healthy You podcast, let me just tell you a little bit about it. I believe that happiness is a choice for most of us. It's a journey and it takes a bit of awareness awareness of what keeps our bodies healthy and in optimal working order. Awareness of the thoughts that are so often in our minds unconsciously and knowing that we can change the ones that just aren't working for us. And probably to me, the most important of all is an awareness of our spiritual selves, our souls and our purpose for being here and our destiny and all the juicy stuff that I love to talk about on these podcasts. And today I have an amazing guest. Keith Kay is... Well, he wears a lot of different hats, he says. He's he's a man in recovery. He is in the Western model of healthcare. He works as a healthcare professional. He is also an alternative or complementary healer. And he's a student of cutting-edge personal transformation. Yeah, baby, I love that. And he's the author of Sustainable Recovery. And I can't wait to talk to Keith about this. A while back, we did a podcast about addiction, and I, I got such a good response from it. I wanted to go a little bit deeper, and Keith contacted me. And because of his book and its focus on sustaining recovery, I think we're going to have a really great conversation. And this is for everybody, even if you're not in recovery. I mean, we all have addictive habits and even addictive thoughts, thoughts that are constantly creeping up in our unconscious minds. And just to become more aware of these these proclivities in our lives can help free us and make us more whole in body, mind, and spirit. So welcome, Keith. Thank you so much for coming on Happy Healthy You. Thank you, Connie. Very happy to be with you today. Yeah, let's talk about your story a little bit. Um, you are have been in recovery for many years. Tell us your story and how your journey through recovery unfolded for you, because yours is such a successful, inspiring story. I'm very blessed, Connie. I've been in recovery for 24 years, and at about age 30 or so, uh, I reached a point where I could go no farther as uh, someone suffering from a, a disease of addiction, in my case, uh, alcoholism. And and though those who know me today would, would have trouble believing that I was a man who could not go a day without a drink, uh, that I indeed uh, evidenced all the characteristics and symptoms and behaviors of a hopeless al alcoholic. Uh, they would look at me today and, and 
find that very difficult to believe. Um, but I did reach a point where, where I could go no farther with that. My life was circling the drain in, in every way. And I uh, surrendered and uh, became, uh, entered recovery in the traditional model, uh, the old uh, traditional AA, Alcoholics Anonymous, 12-step manner of recovery. And so did you go through a, a traditional uh, 28-day program? For, for me, there was a, a I, I call it an orientation period. I, I went to a rehab suffering what, what felt like a, a, a nervous breakdown. I, you know, I'll call it a meltdown where, where I was pretty dysfunctional, just not able to uh, face my, my everyday life. Uh, and of course, uh, I wasn't quite ready to accept the fact of, of my alcoholism and uh, was, was, was obviously introduced to uh, the, the possibility that uh, I, I needed to confront that. And, and so for me, there was a a period where I was introduced to Alcoholics Anonymous meetings and what what uh, the twelve step model understands and believes about the diseases of, al- of addiction and alcoholism, and I guess I had to learn some some hard lessons during that time. It was about four months between uh, a week in rehab and the day of my last drink. Hmm. How many years are you sober? I celebrated 24 years in January. Awesome. That is so great. That is so great. Well, why don't we just start by defining what constitutes an addiction? Um, Maybe you can just talk about that a little bit. I think I talked about that with my prior guest, and we talked a little bit about life becoming out of control and those typical things. Can you add to that at all? I will try. I, I would define an addiction as a way of being in which there is a dependence on something, be it a a chemical, it could be uh, a a physical thing, another person, it could be um, a habit such as gambling, uh, smoking uh, of, of itself is a, a very insidious addiction. There's, there's, sure. there's the habit, there's the dependence on the nicotine. So I guess an addiction would be an unhealthy dependence over which the, the person has no control, has, has lost control, has lost the power of choice. Mm-hmm. And so many of these addictions that you just mentioned can be, as you said, insidious and they they do kind of creep up on us. And I think for a lot of people, it's surprising that one day they feel like they woke up and literally their life was out of control. So maybe you can talk about that just a little bit for for somebody who may be sort of entertaining that idea that maybe it's time to sort of consider the the possibility that there is an addiction issue. Like how how do you sort of come to that well, I look at it as, you know, a good analogy would be uh, driving a car. Um, the first day we get in a car, we have to think about everything. It's new um, and, and we have to coordinate all, all the different elements, the, the the destination, the steering wheel and the pedals, etc. And oh, and the safety factor. And, you know, it's overwhelming. And then a couple of weeks later, we're, we're kind of driving along. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and then fast forward to our, you know, our adult lives. We've been driving for years. We get in the car, we arrive at a destination, and it's all been automatic. 
there, there's a real progression uh, and we sort of are using a different part of our brain. Uh, it's, it's a learned behavior that has gone to almost a level of instinct unless something really untoward happens during the trip. We don't remember it at all. It's been automatic. The addiction is, is the same, same way. Uh, it starts off uh, with, a, you know, innocently enough and then takes on sort of a, a life of its own until it becomes kind of instinctive. And the habits involved in the addiction will then sort of stake their claim and begin to defend themselves. The behaviors, which again are sort of subconscious, uh, revolve around the addiction and anything that threatens that addiction um is comes in into a state of conflict i guess mm, yeah yeah can, can you redirect me a little bit there i know I'm, I'm, I'm sort of setting that up but what were what was the original well i i sort of wanted to talk about exactly what you said how it 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 sort of sneaks up on people i think i i have found i think a lot of people are surprised to find you know that at, over time certain patterns in their lives have become a bona fide addiction and I and I just wanted you to sort of talk about that a little bit and you did so that was I guess, I guess the one thing I would add to that is that there is sort of a, a subtle underlying conflict uh, and, and opposition forms with um, society or uh, you know we I guess we come into opposition with with our, our families our communities our our jobs and it's you know it's it's subtle it's kind of underlying but you know if if the full scope of my behaviors was out in the light of day would that be acceptable to people in general no but there's there's also a disconnect where, where people are basically in denial mm. of, of the fact mm -hmm. yeah and addiction just touches so many lives there is not one of us who hasn't been uh, touched by an addiction and it seems to be a problem that is increasing in our society in this culture in america to a great degree and it's it's actually pretty frightening so i really appreciate that you're coming on and we can talk about this a little more deeply now can we talk about the 12-step program and what worked for you specifically and what is great about that program because i know you you won't talk about going beyond the 12 steps and taking, but you're not saying throw out the 12 steps at all by any means. So tell us what, what works. My, my approach is a, a added layer atop the traditional okay. 12 steps. Let me give a little background uh, and uh, fill us in that, that about 80 years ago, uh, two, two alcoholic men uh, came together uh, one of them was, was very motivated and, and the other was eh, at first hesitant, but then became receptive. And, and they found they had a, a dynamic between them. Uh, they understood one another very well um, based on shared experience, uh, the addictive disease of alcoholism. Uh, the reluctant guy said about the motivated guy, yeah, he's the first guy I ever heard who knows what he's talking about. And, 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 and they discovered that, and especially the motivated guy, Bill Wilson, discovered that uh, by getting outside himself and attempting to help this other man, 
he was in fact keeping himself sober. Well, as we say today, that went viral. They wrote a book, they took their message to others, and uh, now there are numerous chapters of Alcoholics Anonymous in every community. Their, their original book, Alcoholics Anonymous, is, is divided into a couple of sections. It's got the first section that discusses what they understand about, about the disease of alcoholism, how to um, maintain a sobriety, and they outline a 12-step program of recovery, which is divinely inspired. These were, were brilliant men uh, who, who were tremendously motivated. Uh, and what uh, they've done for our culture uh, is, is phenomenal. The medical community recognizes uh, the success of Alcoholics Anonymous. However, uh, as we move forward in, in present time, uh, our, our culture, our society is, is changing at a very good clip. Information now doubles every uh, couple of years. And from 1935 to the present, about, about 80 years, uh, a lot's gone on and our culture has changed a lot. Uh, if you go back 80 years in the opposite direction, you're well in the past beyond the Civil War. These men were born, educated, and have a much, a culture much more in common with the Civil War era. There's really no other way to, to, to sum it up. Uh, so today, um, I find that people need to know more than what. People want to know the why, people mm. want to know the how, mm -hmm. and people want to attach more meaning uh, our, our science, our medicine, our psychology, our neuroscience has made tremendous strides. Um, in, in the most, in the I hear your decades. kitty cat. Is that your kitty cat? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he just had a little snack. I think he's looking for some more. He's, he's outside here. Oh well, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> oh, oh, he's barging in. Um, so I, he must like what you're saying. So what you're saying is we dem we are demanding as a culture to kind of go deeper into this uh, exploration of why things work scientifically and spiritually. Why this? Why the spiritual connection that you find in AA works so well? And um, and yeah, and I love that. I think there's a one, there's a wonderful spiritual component to it. They mm -hmm. realized that they had to uh, to to solve a problem. Uh, they had to go beyond the mind that created the problem. I guess I don't like to throw out Einstein and, you know, sound like an Einstein quoter, but I believe he is the, the one who said uh, the mind that causes a problem is incapable of solving it. So it's something greater and, and it doesn't, uh, you know, there, there's no requirements about what that would be, how you want to define it. But what I've I quickly noticed in, in my, you know, initial, by the time I was a, a year into recovery, uh, I was doing amazingly well, not, not thinking about drinking, not, and, and starting to ask, you know, some, some deeper questions and analyzing and just being, you know, kind of an inquisitive sort, you know, I've been involved in healthcare for a while and have a scientific mentality, I guess. So 
I started asking my questions and getting a little negative feedback, like, you know, keep it simple, Bob. Um, and it gave me cause to, you know, start to ponder uh, some of the, the larger questions. The other thing that I quickly realized was that my experience was not the general experience. I, I saw many people suffering uh, from anxiety, depression, uh, constant fear of relapse, the next drink, uh, and, and not, you know, and, and I realized that, uh, it's, it's a commonly accepted, I, you know, I researched it. I really couldn't find a lot of documentation, but it is for 24 years. Everybody commonly accepts that about, uh, one out of 30 people that come in the door will still be continuously sober after five years. Mm, those are not is, really great odds. Yeah. It's not a success rate. It's, mm -hmm. it's actually a failure rate. Mm. So I started to ponder, what am I doing? Why have I had this uh, success? Why, why am I no longer the same guy? I mean, you know, this is what I realized. I became a different person at some point, rather inadvertently. And I decided I, I needed to understand this more. And I began to reverse engineer this. And my explorations took me into alternative healing and uh, more recently into a uh, study of uh, neuroscience approach. And, and, and also what I like to call the quantum model, which is, uh, it sounds very modern and, yeah. and space age, but it, it uh, has to do with... Uh, the unlimited possibilities and, and how I would connect myself to um, the Keith of my dreams, basically an upgraded version of myself. And, and so I've kind of arrived at some, some principles okay. for, for sustainable recovery. And, and this uh, is the subject of my book. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So let's go back because I do want to go deeper. Let's just go right to it. So what were okay. some, let's go back to some of those questions that you mentioned you asked yourself, you know, when you were, you were trying to figure out why what you were doing was working where so many others were not having success with sobriety. What were some of the questions you asked yourself? I asked myself the larger questions. What, what's the meaning of life? What's the purpose of my life? What Love it. Yeah. <laughs> does it mean to be a, a, a human being? And, and, and arrived at a, a belief system in which I understand that I'm a, a eternal consciousness or spirit or mind having a transient human experience. And the purpose of this might be to, uh, broaden the horizons of my spirit or my soul. Uh, and I've come to understand my belief is that I'm here to do this work that I'm doing. It's, it's, it's my passion. So, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm digressing. However, you're the, the larger questions I started to ask, what, what, uh, what, you know, what, what is this God? What is this, you know, how can, how can it be one thing to another person and another thing to another person? How can it be a, an elemental, force of nature to me and the iconic religious God, uh, to, to, to other people. And, you know, and trying to reconcile that. And what I, you know, started, started to get back was, uh, you know, when people would tell me to, you know, keep it simple or, or, or keep coming. And, you know, I, I got reactions, uh, ranging from, you know, kind of the snarky, 
response to laughter, mockery. And it, it gave me cause to consider the bigger picture uh, and, and my own integrity to my conception of, of what recovery is, what, what a power greater than myself is versus, you know, sort of lowering my head and going with the flow. And there's, there's nothing like a little mockery to, you know, kind of help one take a gut check. And, and what I came to understand is that when someone says, keep it simple, what they're really saying is, don't threaten my old ideas with your new ideas. I like things just the way they are. I want to stay in my comfort zone. And this was the case in, in a lot of the, the situations. And, and I realized that my real obstacle was not the fear or lack or limitation or judgment of others. Uh, my obstacle was my own judgment of myself. Mm, yeah, good, good. So you came to that realization, then you you are empowered to move forward and you started exploring alternative healing. Tell us what modalities you found helpful for you. One day I was, I was walking with a friend who uh, is a brilliant healer, uh, studying, uh, she, she at the time was studying with a woman from California and was trained as a polarity therapist and said, I, I, I asked her what polarity was and she said, it would be easier if I showed you, she, she said, stop walking and close your eyes and, and just stand there for a second. And, and I did as she requested and felt myself sort of leaning forward, sort of as if somebody were kind of pulling me uh, physically. And, and, and I opened my eyes and saw that she was manipulating uh, one of my energy centers, the, the third chakra, uh, for those acquainted with, with uh, the chakra system, and, and, and physically manipulating my body in space without touching me. And okay, wow, that happened. <laughs> and I started to absorb that. And, you know, so, so what do you do when something outside, completely outside your expectations of, you know, the, the five sense reality? We're all conditioned to, you know, accept what we see, hear, feel, taste, smell as, you know, by the time we're young children, get on board with the, the way the world is. Magicians are people who have trade secrets and it's, you know, there, there's tricks to it, but there's no magic. There's no Santa Claus, Easter bunny or tooth fairy. And that whole thing had just been thrown out the window for me. So, and we should I, say that you work in conventional medicine. You're a nurse. Yes, yeah. I'm a registered nurse, <laughs> and at the time I was doing operating room, yeah. which is about as Western as it gets. Very exactly. biomechanical, very, very, uh, you know, let's uh, uh, cut out the bad parts and stitch the good parts together, and and just for good measure, we'll we'll throw some medicine and chemicals on top, and and so yeah, I was I was very Western and conventional in, in my thought process. And this just threw me. This this was, you know, what do you do when you realize that the stuff you grew up on, you know, we all grew up watching right. Star Trek and and uh, Lost in Space and we saw 2001. And, but now, wait a minute, this, this, this was, it, it was, you know, very, very 
moving and, 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 uh, epic kind of, uh, event in my life that, you know, uh, it, it was a fork in the road. Yeah. I had a similar sure. experience, Keith, when I was, uh, I wrote, wrote about it in my book, Back to Happy. I was going through a really rough time. I had a very ill child and I had a lot of anxiety around it. And I walked into this uh, healing center and I was given a Reiki treatment, treatment and I had never heard of Reiki. It, you know, same thing. Energetically, it blew me away. And I was like, what just happened? <laughs> and so I kind of took the same route as you. I had to find out why did that work? What was that all about? And, you know, what is this energy thing going on here? So, so go ahead. Talk, talk about your, um, your experience with polarity therapy. Well, I, I, by a year or two later, I, I found myself uh, training in the, in the same modality, mm -hmm. which uh, presented as a, an opportunity. Uh, it was, you know, a structured classroom thing. I figured, okay, if I'm going to learn how to work with people's auras and chakras and, and, and some sort of uh, source energy of, of the universe, uh, if, if I can put some, something <laughs> uh, that I'm used to into the equation, like sitting in a classroom. All right, that, that would be useful. But what I, what I learned uh, is that there are many uh, modalities of, of, of healing that you utilize uh, something very fundamental that is, is underlying. And it wasn't on the six o'clock news. And, you know, most people are really just starting to hear about this, but there is a all-encompassing Matrix is a good word. Field is a good word. But there is energy connecting all of us at the most fundamental level. Quantum physicists have now come to understand uh, the relationship of this this energy field and our consciousness. Uh, and it, it's making them very uncomfortable because they're not trained as philosophers, and they they need to have a degree of philosophy now with with physics. But there there are three properties that. Uh, make this work. Um, one is that uh, once two objects, they could be subatomic particles or they could be people, uh, have a relationship. Uh, that relationship on an energetic level is, is now constant and that is called entanglement, quantum entanglement. This relationship uh, has validity regardless of uh, space and distance, and that is called non-locality. And finally, time, as we understand it with our relationship, you know, we structure our reality with time. Uh, the past moves into the present and then moves ahead to the future, and we have a very finite relationship with that. Something happens in the past, we can remember that. Uh, I could do something in this moment in the present which might influence the future, but I can't remember the future. I can't act in the present and change the past. So, you know, we got kind of a fixed relationship with that, but that is not exactly the way it works in the quantum model. Time is one big thing, one big now. Everything is is sort of instantaneous. So the, the constricting effect of time is not necessarily... Uh, an impediment to to recovery. So how does that how does that work in in uh, recovery? How does that give one the potential to have a recovery that is sustainable? In the quantum field, uh, there are, there are unlimited possibilities. Uh, I can do 
something uh, in this moment and move into a, you know, a completely different reality. Um, in, in the reality that, that I choose uh, to draw to me, um, I have an amazing recovery. I never think about drinking or altering my consciousness. Uh, I am, you know, a, a year ago, um, I was writing a book and uh, in, envisioned myself uh, as a um, successful author um, who, whose words were making a difference in people's lives, uh, talking on, on, on the radio with, with enlightened people, uh, as I'm doing today. And, and I moved ahead to this reality. This is possible for anyone with an addiction, anyone with a, a personal habit they want to change. Um, it's it's the current uh, best thinking in, in personal transformation. I, I love this idea. And I'm I have been trying for a while to wrap my brain around this. I, I interviewed um, Mira Kelly. She is a past life regressionist and she she tried to explain it to me and I sort of get it so the past and the present and everything in the and the the current time that we live in it's all happening simultaneously it's, right? it's one big bubble that we're that we're all in oh my gosh that is so not <laughs> easy to conceive so well, you know when I start talking about that at the 12-step meeting I raise my hand <laughs> and I I go there and you know I I I, I found I was I could be a very powerful speaker. I could control people's eyes, and they, the little muscles that keep them <laughs> facing straight ahead yeah. would would be affected, and the eyes would roll back in people's heads, and there'd be a glazing effect. But it eyes. is, but it is a very powerful concept, and if we can just sort of uh, relax into it a little bit, I think I think we could we could get a lot out of it. So it's a lot more than just visualization. Can you talk about what you, how you incorporated this into your recovery and maybe give us some ideas for it, it help, is, helping It is more us. than visualization. Yeah. Uh, there, I earlier discussed and referenced uh, the, the 12 steps of recovery, which are uh, brilliantly, elegantly cohesive progression uh, where I first focus on my relationship with, with alcohol and take a little inventory, take stock of myself. Then it moves on to examining my relationship with uh, my surroundings, the people, places, and things in my life, um, and, and so forth. And then taking corrective measures uh, and, and kind of, in, in a sense, sending out a memo that, okay, here's the new me. Uh, and the quantum model aspect, okay, when I, when I approach this, I take it to uh, a, a, a greater depth and, and and the way this is is my approach uh, endorses the same meditation that the founders of AA were talking about in the 1950s mm. which you know think think about that for a minute uh, way ahead of the curve they they didn't you know they didn't go too deeply into it but they they did suggest that, that prayer and meditation uh, were were Tremendously useful uh, instruments of transformation. So this is sort of uh, the approach I've taken. I've studied meditation for the past several years, and and uh, I meditate daily uh, mm -hmm. at this point. Where uh, we start with a basic meditation, which is simply quieting the mind, taking it. We look at the uh, the brainwave states. Right now we're in what they call beta. Mm -hmm. uh, attentive, uh, you know, if we were really 
busy multitasking at our, you know, our, our nurse jobs, for example, we'd be in high beta. And uh, the state between that and sleep uh, is called alpha, which is a sort of relaxed brainwave state where the different parts of the brain become more coherent, communicate better. And as we move into that state, we're giving ourselves a real power upgrade because the subconscious processes much more information, I, I think on the order of hundreds of thousands of times more information than the conscious mind. So, uh, uh, cat's back. Uh, as, as I go into that state, I can then, after I've practiced the basic meditation, I can move and progress to what, what we call active meditation or dynamic meditation. Uh, and, you know, now I'm sort of racing ahead and talking about meditation, uh, which is mysterious and intimidating to many. Hmm. And so what I'm, what I really want to get across is that it's like anything. It can be learned, it can be practiced, and it can be mastered to varying degrees. Yes. Um, and, and it's a most incredibly useful tool uh, for, for personal transformation. I agree. I believe everyone should meditate. And I've been uh, doing yoga teacher training. So we've been studying Vipassana meditation, which is basically a focusing on the breath and feeling the breath come in and out. And I think that's the most simple method of meditation. And for me, it's just profoundly changed my meditation practice because it's so easy to drop in to those, those deeper states by focusing on the breath. I mean, it's so simple. We never, our breath is always with us. So we can do it anytime, anywhere. And it's, it's just awesome. Is there a particular brand of meditation that is, you have found is most um, helpful to recovery? Well, I use, very often I use guided meditations mm -hmm. uh, and taped uh, or, or recorded uh, that I found. But what I discuss in my, my book are a couple of suggested methods uh, for first uh, achieving basic meditation. Uh, and, and as you mentioned, breath uh, or focusing on the breathing uh, is one of them. And it's, uh, you know, re remarkably simple and, you know, we, we all do it. We all have to breathe and, uh, relaxing, uh, in, in a, in a orderly progression, different parts of your body, uh, and focusing on, uh, not, not so much visualizing, uh, the parts of, of my body or, or thinking about the mechanics of breathing, but, but more, uh, uh, a feeling, um, uh, perception of, uh, you know, of my, uh, my, my chest, uh, and, and where it is in, in the physical space, uh, is, uh, a simpler method that allows you to sort of relax. And, and, and the objective of course is to stop thinking stop the mental chatter, mm -hmm. stop that, you know, what am I supposed to be doing right now? What's, what's my right. shopping list? What's my to-do list? What's my, and that's the job of the front part of the brain, right. uh, to, you know, to analyze and pay attention and, and keep thinking of things. Uh, so it, all it takes is a little practice to get it to yes. just, oh, okay, I can go on break now. Yes. <laughs> 
it is conscious it is show. such a practice and the results are cumulative i just interviewed some harvard scientists who've done some great research into the benefits of of a lot of of these modalities but meditation specifically and they they talk about how over time and this is a great segue into neuroscience and neuroplasticity over time regular meditation practice can change the brain and so let's do that. Let's talk about the neuroscience behind this. Well, it, it, it does change you and it makes you more resilient. It boosts your immunity. Uh, and, and in the application that, that I'm working on, it, it can change your, your disposition toward an addictive way of being. And, and it's wonderful that today so many brilliant people uh, are directing their attention uh, as you see, you know, you cited this Harvard uh, gentleman. Uh, you know, we're we're living in times that are progressively becoming more enlightened in, in these regards, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm thrilled about this. Um, I've been to numerous uh, neuro neuroscience uh, seminars. I'm reading voraciously, you know, the last few years, and and uh, what what we're we're looking at here is, uh, you know, basically ways to change, uh, to unwire and rewire, you know, our, our, our whole thought process. Um, and again, meditation lends itself so, so well to that. Yeah. And, and, you know, the reason I think, a lot, well, I can't say for sure the reason why we drink or we imbibe in any kind of a substance or, or get involved in any kind of an addictive act an addictive way of being is sort of to take us out of our mind, to take us out of our body. And meditation just drops us right back in there and says, this is where you came to live for this incarnation. So stay here. <laughs> well, I, you know, fun, there's a, there's an underlying fundamental issue with, with every addiction. It's often a trauma or, or some kind of uh, psychological injury or wound or, you know, psychic psychic injury that we're now trying in some way shape or form to change our reality and we direct our attention to you know our, what does our culture give us it, it it's sort of implanted in all of us that we are entitled to better living through chemistry mm. uh why should we suffer any ill any symptom uh, when there's a remedy for it, and the, the glossy magazine ads tell us, you know, ask your doctor about new yes. whatever, fill in the yeah. blank. Yeah. And, and so we, we, we've kind of got a, an idea that we should take something from outside us to change how we feel inside us. And, you know, the recovery process is about uh, changing my internal state and then watching as my environment, the world around me, the people, places, and things will start to change to reflect that. Yeah. And that's where you get into the quantum. Oh, it's so entangled. <laughs> um, you know, what I wanted to say as you were, you were talking, it is so infuriating to me sometimes when I'm watching TV or, which is very seldom anymore, but I was watching TV. I was in a hotel room and within the span of 20 minutes, I heard a major talk show hosts talk about having to take a Xanax to get up in front of people and speak. And I thought, that is rude. First of all, 
she has a, re- a little bit of a responsibility and she should not have been blasting that out there. I mean, I'm sorry. I'd, and then the next commercial was about some other drug that would, you know, take away depression or anxiety. Or, and, and I'm not saying we don't need those necessarily, but it's just everywhere in the media. And it's so hard to, hard for us to maintain like an independent thought system with you know the bombardment that we have out there Bom- bombardment is is very apt yeah uh, and it's it's you know I'm, I'm sure on the part of this entertainer it was very unconscious uh probably just very natural and honest uh, thing to say sure we are riddled with anxiety these days uh, I, I read something recently that the the average uh young person today uh, 50% of them are, are some shocking statistic, uh, has the anxiety level of the average, uh, psych ward, <laughs> uh, patient mm-hmm. of, uh, 40 years ago or some, mm-hmm. some, something very distressing like that. And what I've seen in my, my clinical work, uh, is, um, widespread anxiety, depression, uh, PTSD and, and, you know, even pushing, uh, into the more esoteric areas of, of paranoid delusions and, you know, and, and the anxiety that accompanies, uh, the, the addictive process. And it's, it's all wrapped up in it. And, and I've come to understand that, that this anxiety is a, a, a real bodily manifestation. There's, there's uncomfortable bodily symptoms, a, a, a fast heartbeat. Elevated blood pressure, sweaty palms, your stomach's in knots, these sort of things. Um, these are bodily manifestations of, of a psychological or emotional or, or, or mental state, usually having to do with the fact that something went horribly wrong in the past and the, the, the subject, the patient or, or the person, uh, is, is afraid, is, is dealing with a fear that it's going to happen again, happen again in the future. When in fact it's it's not happening in the present moment, and and so uh, as one of my teachers likes to say, a known past uh, and, and a predictable future, um, you know, have a relationship where we're 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 losing sight of just enjoying the moment. We can't be comfortable in our own skins. Uh, and this mm. is you know what what we have to learn to do. Unfortunately, um, you know, in the, in the first stages of coming to grips with addiction there's really not a way around it uh you know other than chemically and this is what we want to avoid and and i tell people that um you know if you can go you know 15 minutes you know just sit with this and find you know a way to distract yourself go go talk to somebody who who is uh, who's upset or, or or could benefit from from your from your help um, you know, the various ways in which, uh, you know, and, and AA found this, uh, Alcoholics Anonymous found real success in, you know, when, when, when I'm suffering, um, I, I need to look for somebody I can help. Mm-hmm. And that takes me out of myself, as they say. But yes. yeah. the only way, the only way through this obstacle is to just roll up your sleeves and go through it. Because on the other side of that pain, on the other side of that fear, it is the freedom. Yeah. That, that, that we're looking for. Yeah. And you say you're, you're truly in love with life now. I am. What a beautiful gift. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and I, and I realized that that's uh, Abraham Lincoln said, you know, people are about as happy as they make up their mind to be. 
and uh, we have we have a lot of choice that we uh, take for granted uh, that we you know we overlook and we get so caught up in uh, the, the anxiety and the and the rush of the moment that you know stepping back a little bit and getting a, a wider perspective uh, maybe remembering those those larger questions that I spoke of earlier um, can be very useful. Well, if, if someone is out there now and they are struggling with their recovery and maybe feeling like it's not going as smoothly as they would like, what, what are your best pieces of advice for them in this moment now um, to sustain their recovery? To develop a belief system uh, unique to them, you know, the conception of, of something greater uh, of their own and explore that and, and, uh, and you know, just put one foot in, the, in front of the other and, and work to develop faith uh, to be as honest as possible uh, and, and to work to become, you know, more objective, uh, certainly, and uh, to be willing to do the work because it's worth it. Yeah. And if you start exploring some of these quantum ideas, I think it's much more interesting than being high. <laughs> I don't know, in my personal opinion, because, you know, the whole idea of living past, present, and future at the same time is so mind-blowing that it I can't really even... It really is, Connie, and I come, <laughs> come to the... Pre I would not alter my consciousness for anything. I've, I've had a little couple of surgeries over over the years, you know, I'm, 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 I'm in my mid-50s now, and we don't uh -huh. get to this point in life without a few bumps here and there. And I actually had a knee arthroscopy under with, with local anesthetic and very, very minimal sedation. I had to have a serious talk with the anesthesiologist because they're, they're used to, you know, sure. pu pushing that stuff in. Um, I, you know, and I realized this early on, I wouldn't, I wouldn't good, bad or, or happy or sad. I would not trade you know, this industrial strength human experience that yes. we're all put here to have. We are. Um, we are. Life is beautiful. And I just want to give a little shout out to my Uncle Jim, who's who's actually in heaven now. He passed away of ALS a couple of years ago, but he was 30 some years sober when he died. And he tremendous. was, a, oh my gosh, he was the most inspiring guy. And he sort of took me under his wing years ago, many, many years ago when I was young and I was having some anxiety over my, uh, I mentioned my daughter and, um, he has sent me spiritual books that worked for him. And I know he worked the 12 steps, but he, like you, went beyond. He was so spiritual and he really explored his, his purpose and his, his reason for being. And he invited me to go to his 30 year, uh, anniversary at AA. And I'd never been to an AA meeting. And I sat there and I listened to the different people speak about how they, impact how he had impacted their lives and it was so much more than sobriety he was a mentor and he was he was like a philosopher and a just a all-around amazing man and i think well, that's the power of the, of the 12 step totally yes and so i think it's such a, it seems like such an amazing experience if you really open yourself to the opportunity to 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 explore your spirituality and your place in this giant quantum universe. So well, I encourage amazing life. And, I, and by yeah, way of, yeah, yeah. of a shout out, if somebody is having 
uh, trouble and sort of asking those those tougher questions. Uh, they uh, they might benefit from reading my book, Sustainable Recovery, which is available on Amazon.com. And I have a website, uh, sustainablerecovery.org, uh, that they can they can learn a little bit about that from. And I also have a Facebook page, Sustainable Recovery Book, which I invite people to check out and, and like if they're inclined. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Keith, for coming on this podcast and shining a little bit more light on sustainable recovery. And if anybody wants to find the book on Amazon, I'm sure it's easy to find. And um, I hope you'll come back and, and give us more inspiration for recovery and life in general because the pleasure was mine Connie. yeah an amazing job thank you for doing what you do thank you yeah i'm i love talking to people like you so so you keep up the good work and so will i <laughs> all right take care bye